Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi there, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQI plus storytelling night I host and program around Australia. If you're listening for the first time, make sure you check out the back catalogue of episodes. There are, to put it mildly, shit tons of good stories for you to sink your teeth into. Or your ears. Do you sink your ears? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But there is also a Queer Stories book that you really should buy and a podcast collaboration with Google's Creative Lab called My Mother's Kitchen. It features a bunch of Queer Stories storytellers and is a cool interactive game slash podcast slash, I don't know, experimental audio experience. It's cool and you should check it out at mymotherskitchen.com.au. Charity Work is a part-time comedian and full-time natural beauty. Making her debut as a Raw Comedy State finalist in 2018, Charity has quickly established herself as a star on the rise. Her debut solo show, Community Service, was given an extended season and a nomination for Best Comedy at the Melbourne Fringe. She was recently handpicked by the Melbourne International Comedy Festival to star in their month-long showcase, The Comedy Zone. After performing in the Brisbane and Sydney Comedy Festivals, Charity is glad to be home in Melbourne, earning an honest living and spending it on takeaway. Hello. I am very excited to be here. My name is Charity Work, and as you can probably tell by my voice, I am a thespian. (laughs) It's true, I love a bit of theatre. It's my one true unwavering obsession. In terms of my brain's physical memory, I'd say it's about 20% essential life facts, 20% the names and faces of loved ones, and then just 60% musical theatre lyrics on loop. (laughs) It's also a one-in, one-out kind of deal as well. So, like, new show just dropped on Broadway. Goodbye, Nana. (laughs) Like most theatre kids, my obsession with the stage started when I was in high school. As you can probably tell by my modest dress sense, I went to a private Catholic all-boys school. (laughs) I can see a few of you giving me knowing looks. (laughs) I too am sorry for my loss. (laughs) My school was about as homophobic as you can imagine. Thankfully, I had a group of nine friends I would hang out with at lunch. And in the years since school, all ten of us have come out in sequence. Or in my case, literal sequence, but... (laughs) That's a story for another day. (laughs) But in that rough and tumble world, we were definitely proof that birds of a feather flock together. Like, sometimes I think about that statistic and I'm just astounded. Like, that's 10 out of 10. That's a perfect strike in bowling. (laughs) I like to specify bowling so that the gays here can feel included in a sporting reference. (laughs) Apparently, it's like 
when the big ball hits all the pins. I checked with a lesbian. We're all about factual accuracy at Queer Stories. The other boys at school seemed to know about me and my friends long before we were even aware. Like, I remember this one morning, these guys in the year above us were kind of heckling me and my friends at the lockers, and my friend just screams down the corridor, we're not gay, okay? We're creative. <laughs> Which is like a really good sentiment, yeah? <laughs> but like, it doesn't do much to prevent the bullying. Like, now we're just known as the really creative poofs. <laughs> Thankfully, we learned how to put our creativity to good use. Every lunchtime, instead of walking down to the Oval, we'd sneak into the school hall through the back door, of course, plug our iPods into the speaker, and then spend 40 minutes straight dancing to Celine Dion and the Chicago soundtrack. <laughs> And we were, like, committed as well. Like, I'm talking, like, pop, sick, squish, uh-uh, Cicero, lip shits. Like, <laughs> it was full-on, like, high kicks and everything. I think, looking back, all that exercise kind of balanced out all the sport that we regularly avoided. Like, every year when our school would do the annual Yarra River Fun Run, yuck, we would sneak down a side street and then catch the train to Dairy Bell Ice Cream. <laughs> We'd have a leisurely afternoon in the sun with our macadamia gelatis, and then reappear at the finish line hours later, just like, oh, wow, we made really good time this year. Go team! <laughs> Our other sporting tradition happened most Saturday mornings, when we used to skip compulsory Saturday sport to go to an internet cafe, and play an online version of Family Feud. <laughs> we wouldn't play the actual game, of course. We'd just start fights in the chat rooms with Canadian housewives. <laughs> just like, survey says your marriage is a sham, Denise. <laughs> it was a simpler time. Eventually, after a few months of our amateur all-boys production of Chicago in the school hall, the caretaker, who was this old Italian guy named Mario, realised what we were doing and started double-locking the doors, which didn't actually deter us. It just meant we instead had to have this daily encounter with Mario, just like, Mario, let us in. Please don't make us go to the Oval. And he'd be like, are you going to make it a mess? And we'd be like, no, we're not going to make it a mess. Just make it a dance. And he'd be like, okay, gays, go and dance and be happy. <laughs> he was a really lovely man. <laughs> the hall became for us a sanctuary where we could loosen our ties, take off our shoes and just be. It was a tiny protected world within a world and it's where I have my absolute fondest memories of school. I don't know if Mario would even be aware of the magnitude of the gift he gave to us, but I am forever thankful for what he did. When not in class or dancing in the hall, I threw myself into every school production that I could. One year, 
our sister school from up the road, another elite private school with a chip on its shoulder, did a joint production with our school of The Hot Mikado, which is a jazz remake of an old racist and Hammerstein show set completely in Japan. <laughs> Obviously a natural fit for a cast of 30 upper-middle-class white kids. <laughs> the production was as culturally appropriative as it was joyous, and though it was problematic as hell, it blew my gay little world. I had always aspired to be a serious actor up until that show. The type of real performer that studies at NIDA and acts in devastating dramas about the ego of humanity. But being a part of something so glitzy and camp just changed my entire trajectory. I remember I had this one line that would get a huge wave of audience laughs every night. And each time the laugh hit, I would damn near break character from smiling so hard myself. It felt like comedy was a drug hit and my physiology had just changed from that moment. I no longer wanted to go to NIDA. I wanted to do comedies and musicals and wear bright and beautiful and hopefully less racist costumes. <laughs> I started singing in choirs and seeking out more fabulous roles. When senior plays with lead female characters would roll around and all the other boys were like, no, that's gay, I'd step forward. And I found myself really enjoying these roles. After the curtain call of one of our shows, I remember having this epiphany in the dressing room where I realised that this was the first time at school where being feminine wasn't treated like a bad thing, where I not only had permission but was actually celebrated for my expression. I always thought it was so ironic that a single-sex school that cared so deeply about forcing a strict binary between boys and girls would actually create an environment where it's necessary for boys to start doing drag. <laughs> and the reception was also so hypocritical as well. Like when a student blurred the gender binary for a school production, high art, culture, but when a student blurred the gender binary outside the classroom, he'd be pulled aside by the school board. One of my friends who came out publicly in year 12 was pulled aside by the head of student welfare and told to save his coming out for uni. The head of student welfare. She said because he was a prefect, it would make the school values look compromised. And when my friend refused to do that, he was then pulled aside by the deputy headmaster who told him point blank, we don't have fags at this school which was not only monstrous, it was a flat-out lie. Because there were heaps of us. <laughs> we were just too scared to speak. And how could we, when even our friend who did speak up ended up having to change schools in the middle of his year 12 because he felt bullied by the staff? He was made to feel like a failure when it was the school that failed him. When speaking up, is not an option, you learn to express yourself through other means. And theatre was the main way for me to feel heard in a time when I felt silent. Drag, as an extension of that, became for me the ultimate rebellion against the systemic bullshit that I had been force-fed in my early years. When I allowed myself for those brief moments to be loud and proud and visibly queer, 
It felt like maybe I was helping, in some small way, to disrupt the toxic narratives that had taken root in my head. And maybe, by making myself visible, I could help to empower others in the same, but less beautiful shoes as me. <laughs> when expressing myself through stage and drag, I felt more than in any of my classes that I was learning how to be a better man. It's the greatest lesson I learned at that school. And for that, I will always be grateful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and consider signing up to my crowdfunding page on Patreon. Small monthly donations help me keep my business afloat as an independent producer and artist. And in exchange, you get discount tickets, giveaways, merch and that warm glow of supporting the arts. For event updates or those excellent social pages pics from the various events, follow Queer Stories on Facebook. And for late night ramblings and photos of my excellent dog, Frank, follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.